From the Alumni Association of the University of Michigan, this is the Voices of Victors podcast. This episode's topic is about pandemic preparedness and what to do when the next big one happens. The medical historian who coined the phrase flattening the curve views pandemics through the lens of history and offers insights to head off killer viruses in the future. Medical experts have been expecting the next big one for some time. They knew it was only a matter of when, not if. Yet no one was fully prepared for the COVID-19 pandemic. Many months later, the disease is still wreaking havoc across the globe. U of M professor and medical historian Howard Markle, class of 82, MD of 86, believes the hard-won lessons learned from this pandemic and others throughout history can help government leaders and public health officials make better decisions and earlier preparations for the next killer virus that comes along. And there will surely be one in the future. We are living in an era of newly emerging infectious diseases, as well as the recurrence of old-fashioned ones such as tuberculosis and malaria, says Markle, director of the U of M Center for the History of Medicine. Over the course of his 34-year medical practice and 27-year teaching career at the university, Markle has delved into some of the world's deadliest pandemics, including the 1918 flu, bubonic plague, typhus, cholera, HIV-AIDS, Ebola, and tuberculosis. If you've heard the phrase flattening the curve, it was Markle who coined that phrase. He also has served as Principal Historical Consultant on Pandemic Influenza Planning and Policy for both the U.S. Department of Defense and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. With the coronavirus firmly on the global radar, Markle is documenting the new deadly milestone in medical history and adding an update on SARS-CoV-2, the coronavirus that causes COVID-19, to the second edition of his 2005 book, When Germs Travel, six major epidemics that have invaded America since 1900 and the fears they have unleashed. We live in a global village, and a disease outbreak anywhere can go quickly everywhere, as we saw with COVID-19 and earlier with influenza and Ebola, says Markle. Germs have always traveled, but now they can travel with the speed of a jet flight, which can take an infected person any place on the globe in a day. Markle recommends a number of preemptive actions that government leaders and public health officials can take now to head off the next pandemic. Global Disease Monitoring Detecting emerging infectious diseases before they explode into regional epidemics or global pandemics is critical for saving lives, says Markle. As people venture further into areas where they've never lived before and interact with other species of animals, the chances of so-called zoonotic infections, which jump from animals to humans, increase, he says. Like many medical experts, Markle believes that the current novel coronavirus might have come from horseshoe bats in central China's Hubei province and infected food vendors and local shoppers at a wet market in Wuhan where exotic wild animals are slaughtered and sold. By the time Chinese officials locked down Wuhan, 5 million infected individuals had already left the city carrying COVID-19 to other regions of China. In a deadly domino effect, the disease jumped across continents and went on to infect victims in more than 200 countries and territories worldwide. Similar spillovers of animal infections into human populations have caused a number of other deadly pandemics in the past, according to Markle. 
AIDS most likely originated in chimpanzees. Ebola circulated in bats and apes, and SARS was found in civets. Migratory ducks and geese, domestic poultry flocks, and pigs also played a role in transmitting influenza viruses to people over the years. We've learned time and again throughout history that public health officials are usually a step or two behind the microbes in question. So speed in detecting and stopping the spread of an infectious disease is critical, Markle says. Early is better. Earliest is better still. Early detection requires a coordinated global surveillance system, such as the U.S.'s decade-long PREDICT Early Warning Pandemic Initiative, according to Markle. Launched in 2009 under the Obama administration, PREDICT was designed to detect animal viruses that someday might infect humans and trigger a disease outbreak. The program, funded by the U.S. Agency for International Development, sent teams of epidemiologists and wildlife veterinarians into potential hotspots in Southeast Asia, the Amazon, and Congo to collect biological samples from bats and other mammals suspected of harboring diseases. Over 10 years, the researchers identified more than 1,000 new viruses, including 200 coronaviruses, which posed possible spillover threats to humans. In 2019, the Trump administration shuttered PREDICT. One year earlier, the National Security Council's Global Health Security Unit was disbanded, and a high-ranking White House official responsible for pandemic response resigned. In addition, basic research programs on coronaviruses were hobbled or halted. The CIA has declared that pandemics pose one of the great risks to our national security, Markle says. But we kind of shot ourselves in the foot by removing or defunding programs that were monitoring potentially dangerous viruses worldwide. Pandemic Transparency and Quick Action Briefing government officials about emerging infectious diseases is only half the battle, however. Leaders also need to report outbreaks, share information with other countries, and take decisive action to control the spread of contagions. In past pandemics, the concealment of an outbreak by one country or a particular group has had disastrous effects, Markle says. A cover-up basically gives the pandemic a running head start. China dragged its feet before acknowledging the appearance of COVID-19. By then, it was spreading like wildfire. China did not want to let outside guest scientists into the country, even though CDC researchers offered to come, Markle says. That was a problem because different nations' scientists have different perspectives, information, and resources that can be helpful in a pandemic. America's muted response to the threat put it squarely in the COVID-19 bullseye. By the time a limited travel restriction on foreign nationals arriving from China was instituted in early February, it was too late. The coronavirus had already landed on American shores from Asia as well as Europe. Ignoring these pandemic threats only comes back to bite you, Markle says. In the case of COVID-19, downplaying and denying the risk of what was coming has had ramifications that are beyond most people's imagination. As of December 4th, 65 million people in the world have contracted the disease and 1.5 million have died, according to the Johns Hopkins Coronavirus Resource Center. In the U.S., 14 million Americans have fallen ill, and 276,000 have lost their lives to the disease. Historical studies conducted at the U of M Center for the History of Medicine 
coupled with computer modeling and real-time scenarios from the 2009 H1N1 flu and COVID-19 pandemics, have shown that countries and states that act early to limit the spread of a contagious disease through social distancing, mask mandates, quarantines, and closure of schools and public gathering places report far better success in reducing the number of cases and deaths. Testing is key because numbers, data, and quantification of the problem are the essence of epidemiology, Markle says. You cannot fully address the public's health if you don't know the extent of the situation you are managing. Case tracing for an easily transmitted respiratory virus is difficult, if not impossible, he adds. One sick person, for example, can infect a 100 or more people at a large event. That's why we recommend a strategy of social distancing to minimize the number of new cases sprouting up and thus make case tracing more manageable, Markle says. Search for a cure Throughout history, medical scientists have searched for vaccines, treatments, and cures to combat a wide range of deadly pathogens. While there have been some breakthroughs, the overall track record has been spotty. Not all infectious diseases are the same, and eradication is not assured in many instances, Markle says. The CDC collaborated with the World Health Organization to eradicate smallpox in 1980. Medical science has also made great strides over the years with HIV-AIDS, tuberculosis, and childhood diseases such as whooping cough, measles, mumps, and chickenpox. Yet the battle is far from won. HIV-AIDS remains prevalent around the world, particularly in developing nations where people have limited access to healthcare and can't afford expensive drugs. The rise of multidrug-resistant tuberculosis has turned back the clock to the 1800s when the disease accounted for one in four deaths in Europe and North America. Sexually transmitted diseases, such as gonorrhea, are now controllable, but eradication is still difficult. Also, the recent rise of an anti-vaccination movement has reopened the door to childhood diseases. Polio remains a real threat in Middle Eastern countries, and recent mutations of the virus have now required a reformulation of the polio vaccine. We haven't conquered infectious diseases, Markle concedes. We have just wrestled them to a draw. Anyone who thinks otherwise is a prime candidate to get sick. Historically, the development of a safe, effective vaccine for a contagious disease was a slow, laborious process, often taking decades or even centuries. Much has changed thanks to advances in medical science, data analysis, and pharmaceutical manufacturing. It's incredible how quickly we've nailed down the genome, transmission pattern, and clinical picture of COVID-19, Markle says and urges that once proven COVID-19 vaccines are available, we all have to roll up our sleeves. Getting so-called active immunization from a vaccine, he adds, is more long-lasting and safer than getting short-term passive immunization by catching the disease and risking reinfection or long-hauler complications, those that last after the initial illness. Despite the many obstacles the world faces in its battle against the coronavirus pandemic, Markle sees light at the end of the tunnel. Every nation, every civilization, and almost every generation in human history has confronted a contagious crisis like this one, he says. We've all come through on the other side. I know we will, too. What keeps Markle and other medical experts awake at night is the knowledge that the next big one will arrive someday. It may already be on its way. 
Special thanks to Claudia Capos, an award-winning journalist who is the owner of Capos & Associates, a communications company, for her contributions to this podcast. Her articles on research, business, celebrities, and travel have appeared in national and international publications. The Alumni Association of the University of Michigan provides communication, connection, and community with your fellow alumni. Have you become a member? We invite you to do so. Visit our website at alumni.umich.edu. We are using this platform to amplify the voices of notable University of Michigan alumni. If you like what you've heard, please give this podcast a rating and review and hit the subscribe button or ask your smart speaker to play the Voices of Victor's podcast. Until next time, wherever you go, go blue.